Remember that that scene on Lion King when Simba runs away and he doesn't remember who he is? Then Mufasa comes through the clouds and he says, Simba, remember who you are, <laughs> right? I've heard those words from my father before. Go dummy, go beast on him. I go beast. Go deep, I OG on What's up? It's your man, B. Holmes. Back with another episode of Doors to Success. I'm your host, B. Holmes. And uh, this is where I lay out the B print, where I teach you how to knock, open, and conquer the different doors of success in your life. And this is one of those sessions where I'm going to jam for a minute. I have had a few experiences where I am going to speak on one of those doors that we don't touch too often. And we're going to call it the spiritual avenue. Here we talk about social, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. And we don't touch on this one too much. And this one could also fall under social, but I'm going to tap in on the spiritual side a little bit because I feel like in today's society, this is like out of control. This one has been... I've had so many interesting conversations lately around this that I have to say something about it, and I just got to get it off my chest. I feel like we don't have patience for anyone, including ourselves. We've become so accustomed in in today's world and today's society that it's all app-based. It's all here and now. It's all quick. It's There's no process. There's no pausing. There's no patience. There's no pivoting. None of the great P words that we love in our, in our culture, in our world, that's gotten us the, the amounts of success that we have today is being had because it's all here and now. And, and I think, you know, and I want to dive into that, like the, the mentality, the psychology of why. And I think the root of it boils down to spirituality. And I've, you know, I've lived in Utah now for the last five years. And I'm going to call out a lot of the Mormon culture. Now, I also am a part and a member of the LDS church. And I've noticed that the people here that live in Utah are some of the greatest people. They're super patient. They're super um, loving. But it almost comes at a cost of extremely high judgment. And I don't seem to know why other than I think that it has to do, as I've drilled down in myself and in my own personal stories, that it has to do with people feeling like they're not loved by their creator. Or they are trying to help other people point out their insecurities, their faults, their issues, because they want God to know that somehow if they can show and catch you in a sin or whatever they perceive sin to be, that if they do that and they bring it to the forefront, that maybe, just maybe, the Heavenly Father will give them more of a hall pass than you, or it's not as bad as what they've done. Because here's the truth, is that if you're a Christian, and we can talk on any religious sect, I've, I've studied a few, I've, I've um, lived in a kibbutz uh, over in Israel, I studied the, the 
the Torah, the Quran. Um, you know, I was in Israel for a few months and in, in Italy for a few months. And I've done different ceremonies with, I've done a, a Vipassana meditation with a Buddhist monk. We've done multiple sweats with different tribes, Native American tribes. Um, study with the Huichol people out of Mexico. I've just been blessed to have so many different travels and in so many different uh, cultures, I've learned that um, there is multiple um, belief systems that are so similar in every religion. It's almost astoundingly eerie and coincidental. Or... It's that it's all come from a source of truth at some point, and these are the different manifestations of it in our society today. And because we're in America, and because I'm speaking to a population that by demographic normally is 95 plus percent uh, Christian, let's use Christianity, okay? If not, if you want to speak on another religion and use that religion, I'm happy to do that too. Um. But in Christianity, there's this concept that there is a great commandment. There is one great commandment, and it is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And the second is like unto it, to love God and love thy neighbor and love thyself. If we're going to summarize, okay? Those, love God and thy neighbor as thyself. Those are one and two. And those are the great commandments, they say, that, that, that is found in the New and Old Testament. Quite frankly, the golden rule, right? So if... If that is true, and there's a great commandment, then that must mean there's a great sin. And if there's a great sin, what is it? What is the great sin? Well, it has to counteract the great commandment, it, or else it wouldn't be a great commandment, right? And I'm going to get back to my, my stories and my situations here in a minute, but it's got to counteract the great commandment and the great so what that is is if it's love god then the great sin would be if you believed that god loved you less for any reason and in that in that little window the adversary creeps in and causes you to believe that and you or sorry he causes to that play that story and after time you believe that and you find supporting evidences to believe that, that you withdraw yourself. And when you do that, that is the sin that causes all other sin to take place. Now, whether or not I'm right or wrong, I'm calling out all Mormon people here, calling out all Mormon people to listen to what I'm saying. And if you disagree, shoot shots at it. If you agree, let me know your thoughts and your experiences. But in all my experiences, this is what I've learned. I've, I was, you know, uh, disfellowship from the church, asked to be excommunicated. I left on my own free will and choice because of things that I did that the church asked me to no longer be a part of it. And I said, okay, fine, then I'm completely gone. I went the rounds. I came back. I served a mission. And now I'm, I'm a member of the church, and I'm more than happy with my faith and my belief in the, in the, in the church, in the gospel. My issue now is that through that whole process, I've seen judgment, I've felt persecution, I've felt hate, and, and I've felt um, abandonment by the membership and leadership. And in all of that, I walked away. And what I learned was all of that doesn't even matter. That's not 
part of the gospel that I believe. That's just the culture that has become from it. And so when that all happens, or if you've been offended by somebody, or if you've had a situation that's hurt, or and this is in any religious group, right? When all of that happens. Now, also, side note, I, I did my, my two-year mission in the South, and I was stationed in a town called Mustang, Oklahoma, and there's 12 square miles, and in those 12 square miles, there's 67 different religions. So I got my fair share of, you know, um, restoration and um, type churches and um, revolutionary churches during that era, the 1800s, and all these other these other Christian sects I, I studied and learned from, and I'm so grateful for it. But these same issues exist. And anytime that there is a supreme power, supreme being in any belief system, you always have people trying to do better than their neighbor. When the great commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. You see how that works? And then love God too, because that's the reason why. And that's how you love God is by loving your neighbor as yourself. And the sad part is if the adversary can get you to believe that God doesn't love you, then why should you love yourself? Now it's getting now now we're hitting a vein here that is resonating. And why would he do that? Well, here's a here's a story that kind of happened, not to the extent, but I played it through and luckily I saw what was happening and I snuffed it. But let's pretend that I have a son named Elijah. I do have a son named Elijah. <laughs> let's let's pretend that my son Elijah um, and that I was his football coach, which I was, and he plays quarterback, which he does. And let's pretend that there was a, a kid on the team who also wanted to be quarterback and we'll call his name Bill. Okay. And as a dad and the coach, I only want my son to succeed. I only want him to experience Good and bad. I want him to get hit. I want him to get back up. I want him to win. I want him to lose. I want him to go through it all and learn how to be a man and be victorious and be happy and conquer and fail and get up and just experience life. That's what I want for him. I want for him to experience life. And that's why we came here to this earth. We came to experience life. We came to get our bodies, our physical bodies, and we had also seen that our, our, the great creator, our father, had progressed far beyond us spiritually. And when I say that he is the great creator, I say that in all respect because he actually is our father. And the point that I want to nail right now and here and through this whole episode is that you are divine. You are the divine offspring of our heavenly father. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what sin you do, what acts you perform, you will always be a divine son and daughter of God. And if you have anything else to say to that right there, a rebuttal, then you're missing it. You've missed it. You've missed the entire point of the gospel. Because if I was born, let's say I was born a prince. I was born a prince. My dad was the king. And I could move to another state or a country. I could go to another kingdom. I could, and no matter what, I would still, I have a royal bloodline. That prince, he can run from it, but he can't hide. 
very long, right? You you can go Jonah in and, and jump in the ocean and swallow in a well, but when you come out, you're still going to be the prophet. You're still going to be the king. Eventually, you're still going to have your dad. You're still the bloodline still runs true. You're still a king, no matter what you do, no matter what choices you make. That is so true. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. Latter-day prophet, Spencer W. Kimball. And if a puppy becomes a dog and a kitten becomes a cat, then a man becomes a god. That's what I believe. If he's really our father in heaven and we all say that, then at some day, some point, we will become like our father. That's the goal, to become like him. Every Christian religion teaches to be like him. So I don't know why people freak out when I say, well, we'll become a god. I am. And in the timeline, if we believe in the timeline of spirituality and in Christianity and in the creation and the seven-day periods and all of that, then time we learn time is irrelevant. Time doesn't matter. Time is relative to location of source, right? If I'm standing, if our time is is dictated by the sun, which it is, and I'm standing by the sun, if I make a rotation, what it'll take people on earth to make that same rotation and someone in the far reach of our solar system to make the same rotation, it'll take longer. Time is relevant by location. So the closer I get to knowing that I am the offspring of my literal heavenly father, time becomes irrelevant. Interesting, right? And then if that's true, then I will not one day become my father's son, a prince, to become a king, to become a god. I am a king. I am a god. I have divinity flowing through my veins. You are a queen. You are a princess. You are of a royal birthright. Every one of us on this earth are divine. So why don't we show it? Why don't we believe it? And why is the great commandment to love everyone else that very way? If, if that is it, then the great sin is to not know that. Now back to my story. So if my son's a football player, the quarterbacks, uh, sorry, I, I detoured there. But then Bill comes and sees this. Bill is jealous that I have that my son knows who he is in his position and knows who he is as my son, right? So Bill sees me and my son in this argument over his past, and in the huddle, he calls the huddle. Bill walks up to my to Elijah in the huddle and says, "Hey, I just talked to your dad, the coach. He said that if you throw it in the ground, that he's going to bench you." My son's like, "Huh? That's not what he told me." Okay. Goes to the line, set hike. How's he going to throw that pass? <laughs> it goes in the dirt. He looks at me, and I'm like, what? If you do that again, I'm going to bench you, <laughs> right? And he's like, oh, man, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Go back in the huddle. Bill comes and says, hey, your dad just said if you do it again, he's not going to play you ever again. I'm like, man, and now hike throws it in the dirt this starts to happen over time and eventually game after game bill keeps sliding in and feeding lines in elijah's mind 
By the end of the season, Elijah is playing on eggshells every play, and I am fed up till I finally pull him out. After eight games of this, dude, what is going on? Why are you playing like this? And Elijah explodes. Well, ah, if you wouldn't have said that I was going to get benched and you didn't love me anymore, and da 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 da, if I didn't throw it in the dirt, and blah, I quit. Bill wins when Elijah forgets or thinks that I don't love him, nor do I want him playing his position. But do is that what I want as dad or coach? No. That it doesn't even matter. Winning or throwing in the dirt is part of what I want him to do. Con- connect this with you and your heavenly father and the adversary. So I don't care what sin you want to call sin. And now I get into morality and culture and timelines. And I mean, it's crazy to think that when we get to heaven, assuming where there's a heaven and we're all standing there, this idea of let's call polygamy. Do you know that in the LDS church for the last 200 years that we haven't been practicing polygamy, but there has always been multiple cultures, multiple religions, multiple groups of people that do practice this 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 tradition or this thing. And there are still groups of people practicing it today, and there has been throughout all of time. You're going to have people up there like a good dude named David or King Solomon who's going to have multiple spouses, multiple harems, and they're going to look at us and say, you guys missed that one? As the example of times the things changed in time but we're going to be up there and that's going to still be a fact that this 200 years will be this unique group that didn't even in africa even in south america multiple again cultures been practicing this we're our, our 200 years this small subset of people will be the only group of people that didn't do this and so in that same sense time dictates sin or commandment based on culture or acceptance of certain things. Even in religions today, leadership changes those things. And it's like, well, there are commandments that aren't changed. Well, you know what? There's always been commandments that have changed. If you walked so many steps as a commandment on Sunday or or stolen, they'd chop your hand off or you couldn't walk the rest of the week. That was commandment. That was law. Well, Christ came even after that. The, the, the law of circumcision was done away with in time. The law of also, again, I could go on temple ceremonies. I could go on and on and on. If you really want to get into it, let me know. But let's just, it suffices me to say that it has changed. It always changes. And so how are we, how are we going to stick a certain sin in someone's face and say, that's a sin? And how are we who are unperfect, unclean in our own right? We have our own issues, our own sins. Everyone has their own demons. How are you going to point a finger at me and say, mine is so much worse than yours? If no unclean thing can enter the kingdom of heaven, that's, you either believe it or not. So if no unclean thing, that doesn't matter the degree of dirtiness and the dirtiness depends on you. Your understanding of that thing is on you. That's why we all have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And that is why you, me, we are not the judges. 
Even a judge in Israel is a mistranslation. That was back when they actually needed judges of things. We have judges now. So what, what are the leadership for? They are there for support and help if you need it. You, you are there to be accountable to your heavenly father, your father in heaven. Let's not get this twisted. And I'll go the rounds on this one. I feel like so many people today are so living their life, so dependent, worried that they are going to make this sin or, or throw the ball in the dirt. And Bill is laughing his head off because you don't think the coach wants you playing the position that you're in. No, he wants you there. You are divine. You are chosen. You are royal. And if you you believe that, there are great things that await you. I was just recently featured on a podcast, um, and I, I was blessed to go speak there with my man Chris and Josue Pena, um, and um, super cool. It was it's broadcast in, in South America. So grateful is my first international one, and. Um, the, the theme was, how do you find success when you're in poverty? I have been in poverty and you go listen to that podcast. I'll define poverty, which is without hope. And I have been there and I've pulled myself out of that twice. And every time that I've done that, it's, I have forgotten who I was. Remember that, that scene on Lion King when Simba runs away and he doesn't remember who he is. He's kind of lost. It doesn't matter anymore. He's, got, he's so far gone, it doesn't matter what he is and who he's done. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Then Mufasa comes through the clouds, and he says, Simba, remember who you are, <laughs> right? You are my son. I've heard those words from my father before. I have, my heavenly father. And when he called me and reminded me that I was his son, I stepped to the plate. I stepped to the plate spiritually and got my crap together. I stepped to the plate financially and got my act together. I stepped to the plate morality and I married my wife. I, I, there were things that I decided to do when I heard that call because I had forgotten that I was divine. So if you're struggling, the first thing you got to do, you got to remember who you are, that you are powerful, and then go. Go battle for it. Go battle with that knowledge and you battle differently, I promise you. But don't let Bill tell you that you're less than, that you are not. Because the moment you believe it, you are now causing the greatest sin of all time. Of all time. And that is facts. That is, if you go back through every story in the Bible, every story in the New Testament, any canonized scripture, that is the, the root of, of the sin. So I don't care what sin is in the culture today. I don't care if it's stealing. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's fornication or adultery or whatever this murder. I don't, whatever it is, war or theft. It doesn't matter. Whatever the sin, coveting, whatever the sin, blasphemy, whatever idolatry, it doesn't matter what cultural thing is going on. If the adversary gets you to believe you're less than, you are creating the greatest sin which causes you to go contrary to the great commandment, which causes you to forget what you're doing and why you're doing it. And all things are now on the table because you don't feel the love of your heavenly father. And when you don't feel that, which is on us, when we don't feel that, we walk away. We start throwing the ball in the dirt and saying, well, then whatever. 
And the whole time he's sitting there wondering, what are you doing? Don't do that. This is part of it. This is part of the game. Learn. Learn from it. And if you disagree with what I'm saying, then why would, why would our Father allow us to go in the battlefield, in the ring, in this, in this battle, if we're comparing it to battle, with the most ultimate warrior, ninja, psycho, twisted, evil, sorcerer, murderer of all time. I'm talking about the devil. If, if the devil, he's been around for since the beginning of time, right? He's learned how to use all tactics. He's learned how to fight with swords and with clown faces that are dripping and evil tactics and words and knives. And he's the worst. Imagine this, imagine this hideous gladiator, warrior, ninja, posse thing from 300,000 million, whatever, right? And then imagine a 14-year-old boy standing in the gladiator ring against this man, this thing, this murdering machine that has every tool and tactic from the entire universe. And there's a little boy that's 14 years old just going through puberty. And in our society today, you can hop on your phone and hit one button and have access to any type of pornography that's out there. Then you have a heavenly father who's instilled in that boy at that time to go through a natural process, the natural process of his body to go through puberty. And when that little boy's body goes through puberty and it infuses a hormone in his body called testosterone that makes him that makes him want to look. And he looks at that screen and one button and it's there. You're telling me that that, that sin, he's not fighting. He's fighting against this, 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 this murderer and all this, and all he's got to do is just put the phone in his hand. And now with the testosterone, the hormone through his body, his hands get tied behind his back. You think that Heavenly Father would allow that to happen? Well, it does. That is what happens. The only way, the only way that a God, an all-knowing God would allow that fight to happen is if two things were also true. One, that that boy could hit the reset button at any time and start that game over again. And that it's just a game. He's here to learn. Hit the reset button. And it starts over with unlimited lives. That reset button is called the atonement of Jesus Christ. Hit the reset button. Start over. Do it again. Try it again. Hiccup. No explosion. No massive sin, no horrible situation. You're good, man. You're okay. Do it again. Try it again. Let's go. Here we go. Hit it again. Let's go. Try it again. It's okay. Heavenly Father still loves you. No matter how many times you got to hit the reset button. He loves you and you and you and everyone. No matter what the reset button is that you got to hit it for, it's good. And the second one is, is if he always loved you and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He would always love you. The only way that that would be any kind of weird judgment on you or you to feel like you have to point out other people's reset buttons or the times they didn't hit it or I see you, I saw you smoking, I saw it, is if you felt that pointing that out in somebody else gave you some kind of extra credit. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go put your arm around the person and help and love and say, hey, how are you doing? Sounds looks like your day was stressful. How can I help? If you don't do that, you don't get any of it, none of it. I see so many people don't get it. 
no patience, no love, missing the great commandment. You Christians? Am I a Christian? I fall victim to this. Here's the example. I'm driving, and I get to, and this this is where I I decide I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. So I'm driving, and I get behind this car, and this car, the green light, it turns green to turn left in a four-way, main four-way intersection, and this car is stopped, and it doesn't go. Horn, no, doesn't move. Horn, horn, doesn't move. Horn, I'm laying on the horn, I'm right behind him, and I'm like, let's go, I gotta go. Like, now I'm angry. Like, what the flip, man? Why are you, and then they speed off and go right as it goes yellow, and I make, I'm like, I don't care. I'm zooming through this thing. I zoomed through it. I want to go look at the guy and give him the bird. And like, dude, why were you? He was probably texting. He was texting his phone, wasn't paying attention, looks up, see it's yellow, and then gassed it at the last second. I know that's what happened. Why? That's happened to me. I've done that a hundred times. And that's been, that's irresponsible. So as I pull up next to it, as I pull up next to the car, it's an SUV. It is a young girl. She had to have just had her learner's permit. She is white-knuckling that, that steering wheel. And there are tears coming down her face, and her dad is next to her. And he is yelling at her, pointing at her, like something horrible just happened. And he is berating her. And, I am, and, and my heart, like, broke. Like, here I am. Judging this person. I didn't even know who it was, what was going on, but I was so certain that they did what I did. And I wasn't going to stand for it. Why? Because I, I don't have that patience with myself. Like, and then to see what was happening, whether that was going on at the stoplight, whether that was because of it, I didn't even care anymore. I just wanted to pull over and be like, how can I help? Dude, lay off. Like, and even then I don't know what's going on. Maybe that's warranted. I don't, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, I don't know anything. All I can do is love. All I can do is remind people that you are divine. All I can do is have patience. And when someone does something, that I will let and give them space to learn, to live, to experience, because that is why we're here in the first place. I hope that was helpful. I know that's a little bit different, but with that understanding, I think, and applying those principles in every realm, whether it's spiritual, physical, social, emotional, mental, and especially in business, if we can give patience and give people space to experience things and not hold them to our standards, to what we think is going on, and remind ourselves that we are divine and know we are, Power up. It's a, it's a cold world. Tell yourself you love yourself a hundred times every day. Affirmations. You are good enough. You are supposed to be where you're at. Doing what you're doing. You are divine. You, you can hit that reset button. You're so good. You're good. And, and, and do not judge other people. That is not your call. You don't know who's getting yelled at by who for what reason. They may not be doing what you're doing. They're probably not. And you have no right to judge that person. I'm so grateful I was reminded of that again today. And I, that ha- I was actually on the other end of that. Like the car had actually stalled out and the guy behind me was laying on the horn. And I'm like, you know what, man? And he pulled up. He's I'm like, what do you want me to do, man? I couldn't even go. And he didn't even know. And he drove off pissed at me. And I'm like, man, I got to talk about that. 
and here I am happens to me. So I hope that gives you some perspective because that also, mastering that thing right there is also one of the doors of success. The greatest feelings of success has come when I have helped other people remind them that they are good enough. No matter what the choice is, it doesn't even matter. They're going to figure that out in time anyway. It's your boy, Be Home, signing off with The Doors to Success. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Doors to Success podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe for more. Visit behomes.com for more information on how you can join the Bprint.